Welcome back to Keyhole Conversations, everybody. I have a special guest on the show today um, from South Carolina. We have a fellow photographer, historical um, documenter, um, explorer, Sandy. I want to welcome you on the show and thank you very much for being part of this and being willing to uh, take the time out to uh, talk with us. Um, Sandy, first question for you. I found you over on the Vero platform initially, and then also found you on Instagram. How long have you been into sharing your photography for the world to see? Well, really not that long uh, as far as social media. Um, about four years. About four years. But I've been doing photography a lot longer than that and exploring since I was four years old. Since you were four years old. So what, <laughs> yeah. uh, what age did you get into photography at? Uh, it wasn't until I went to college that I really got into photography. And um, really, I was more into painting and drawing and printmaking than photography, but I've always loved it. So I had to retire, and it's a real good thing for me to do because I really don't have to deal with anybody, and I can go where I want to go, and sometimes I like meeting people and talking to them, and then if I don't want to, I, I avoid them. <laughs> I, I totally hear that. Um, I, I myself, I'm a musician as well, which nowadays I just kind of play music on my own, and um, music is one of those, like... Uh, hobbies that's really fun to do with people, but I get sick of how flaky people are. And photography is one of those ones that I fell in love with because it really is up to you to get out there and do it. And like you said, you can do it with people or you can do it without people. Um, so that's that's uh, interesting that we both have that kind of commonality there. Do you? Uh, what years were you in college learning? <laughs> well, let's look. Um, I started college in 1979 I had I married when I was 17 I got a divorce when I was around 22 I had two children I lived with my sister for a year and I'd all, I always loved art and I decided that I wanted to go to college for it so that's what I did and I started in the spring of 79 and I finished my master's in 83 Oh, wow. So how old are you right now, if I can ask? I'm 67. 67. And um, are you recently retired or have you been retired for quite a while? Well, it was kind of a forced retirement. Um, I got really sick. I just couldn't teach anymore. I have uh, rheumatoid arthritis and um, just a plethora of other things that just made teaching really hard. So I just decided to... Um, file for disability and stay home. And fortunately, I was able to do that. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Rheumatoid arthritis, that's got to be, that's extremely painful from what I understand. Um, it I, is. Um, it's a journey. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Does that attack like your joints and everything of that nature? It attacks everything in your body. Really? So it's like an autoimmune yeah. disease. It's an autoimmune disease, yeah. And I have other autoimmune diseases with it. I just had a, well, not just, but I had a knee replacement nine months ago. So 
Mm. I'm still struggling with that, but um, that's kind of slowed me down as far as exploring, but not too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still plugging at it. You're still getting out there. I mean, obviously I see uh, your wonderful photography and shots that you uh, post and everything. And you said you got into exploring when you were four years old, where, where and what <laughs> kind of spotted exploring it for? What was that like? Well, um, I, there, I had, uh, five sisters and brothers. And so the three of us, the youngest, I'm the youngest, then my brother, then my sister. So we just kind of hung together and we started just exploring empty houses and things like that in the little town where I lived in the mountains. I grew up in Appalachia and uh, there was this old church behind my mother's new church. And uh, I don't remember going to that church as far as services were concerned, but we went in there and explored and played in there. And so I just got a taste for being in an old building. That church was probably built in the last late 1800s. The little town I grew up in was uh, settled in the 1800s, early 1800s. So I've just I've been researching the town I grew up in and my whole genealogy because I didn't realize you know who I was related to because I grew up uh, away from my family. My father was a coal miner, and so my mother didn't want that life for us. So we moved away from that area of Kentucky where a lot of the coal mines were. My father worked in the deep mines. So Blaine was just a little old place and there was a lot of little houses and stuff that people had abandoned because um, they just left because there wasn't any anything there really. Now it's just really bad. There's like, I counted maybe eight or nine houses I grew up with are gone. Oh, really? The, family, the families are gone. Yeah, it's just nothing there except my brother's still there. He's a musician, by the way. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's he's a genius. He's <laughs> just not a recognized genius. Hey, there's, um, there's a lot of those out there. Yeah, he's really good. I enjoy going home to see him. Uh, if I want to blast the music, I just go home. <laughs> <laughs> so you start at four years old exploring this old church, and it's just, did it quickly become like a love of yours to continue throughout your life exploring these old abandoned places? Yeah, um, I kind of, um, well, actually, you know, we had to rent a lot of places. We didn't own our own home till I was about 13. Oh, gotcha. So we would move into these old houses and it would be like exploring all over again, you know, figuring out, you know, who had lived there and who the house belonged to, who our landlord was, uh, what room we were going to get. And they were always these houses with the keyholes and the old doorknobs because we couldn't afford to rent anything better than that. And there probably just wasn't anything better than that. So I just got a feel for old houses. So when I was around 11, um, a friend and I, started uh exploring we both got bicycles so that was real dangerous we were we had wheels and so um <laughs> yeah we got wheels that was dangerous so we started exploring some of the uh, old places around where we lived and my first time capsule was like the, just wonderful and i was 11 That's... so 
that, I went in and the table was still set and it was like all this old um, furniture in there. It was a Hoosier um, cabinet and a little little antique um, kitchen table. And the table was set with old fashioned china with flowers and um, the living room had blue mohair couch and chair and a little fireplace. And when I went into uh, the bedroom, I think it only had maybe one. It wasn't a big place. There was a slip and a dress over this old iron bedstead. And I'm like, it was just like the people just disappeared. So that really always stuck with me. So then as a teenager, that's what we did. That's all we had to do, except, you know, maybe smoke pot or something like that. But we would... Uh, when we got real wheels, like, you know, a car, we would go and explore graveyards and houses that we found. That's so awesome. I'm, I'm extremely jealous of hearing stories like that, especially in the region you're in, South Carolina, Kentucky, uh, North Carolina, all those areas. I've been back there and it's so much different than um, the mountain west where I'm from. Our abandoned stuff is so it's not as old and it just gets ransacked. Like, you know, like you talk about how the place was still set with the, the bed and everything like that. And you don't find stuff like that here. It's graffitied to no other and just utterly ruined. And I don't, I don't know if that's how it is back there nowadays, but when you were younger exploring, have you noticed a difference between like when you were younger exploring, how things were, set that way a little bit more and now things are like graffitied and uh, vandalized or is it still they're not graffitied they're they're vandalized you know when i was growing up we just had more respect for people's property i mean it was just something that was in us nobody taught it to us we just knew that we had very little and so we we were not going to destroy anything that had value uh, I grew up very poor. At one point, um, actually, my father tore down the old church that we had played in, and it was enough to build a house. And so um, until he got the house built, we lived in a cellar with a dirt floor. And this was at for eight, for eight months in Kentucky. And this was at what age? How old were you? I was eight when we lived in the cellar. Wow, eight years old living in a cellar in Appalachia, Kentucky. Yeah, we had um, like mom and dad had a bedroom in a like there was like a, just a one room little house, and that was the kitchen and the TV and mom and my dad's bedroom, and all of us slept in the cellar that was outside. We went had to go into the landlord's um, house, and we lived under there, and that was the cellar. And uh, there was like room for our beds, and we had a little heater down in there, and it was it was cozy. But the way we kept our feet clean is we just jumped from bed to bed so we didn't get our feet dirty. Oh, really? Because <laughs> it's a dirt floor cellar. <laughs> yeah. How many of yeah. you were living down there? Um, uh, five. So you're five. My, you yeah, my course. oldest sister was gone by then. Gotcha. Wow, that's that's crazy. I mean. You know, you don't think about how unfortunate some people are. Like you look at yourself and it's like, oh, 
because I think I grew up uh, fairly poor as well with my family. But then I hear stories like yours and I'm like, oh, no, I was pretty well off. <laughs> like I wasn't sleeping in a cellar. Um, but that's that's amazing. How long did it take your dad to re did he rebuild you guys a house out of that church, out of the materials? Yeah. Yeah. It's still there. Is it? Yeah. The landlord sold it, as mom said, out from under us. It was actually supposed to be that we had, you know, free rent since my dad built it and then we could buy it. Mm -hmm. But that fell through and we had to move again. So we moved up onto a big farm in an old farmhouse and it was fun. I liked it there. We It was an adventure. Every place we went was an adventure. And then finally around 12 or 13, my dad built us a new house. It wasn't a big house, but it was ours. And uh, it was an, it was warm and had a bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> We didn't have a bathroom, you know. So I have three bathrooms now. And I'm like, man, I'm living in luxury. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I grew up without a bathroom. So any house we ever wanted to rent or whatever it's like does it have a bathroom but we managed we uh, we took a bath in my mom's wash tub a galvanized wash tub oh wow and did you that's guys... the the wash tub is what my mom used to uh when she washed clothes she used a ringer washer mm -hmm. and then she the clothes would go into that big round tub rinse water so we also used it for a bathtub. So in the winter, we would put the tub behind the coal stove or cook stove sometimes. So it would be warm Holy <laughs> to cow. take a bath. It, I mean, it, everybody thinks of it. I mean, if I wrote it and down, it would probably be, oh, my goodness. But I didn't think of it that way at all. It was just, again, another adventure. And was it, yeah. <laughs> was it that was just kind of your normality that you were just like, hey, this is just what we do? Oh, yeah. I mean, we didn't sit and think, oh, my, you know, we didn't know any different. And then when I was older and became a teenager and I got around and saw my friends' homes, you know, they they had nice homes for the most part, some of them. And uh, I, I just thought, you know, they don't realize how good they have it. I wasn't jealous, but, it, you know, uh, it, it just made me appreciate uh, my parents more because, my parents were very loving and they were really good parents. So um, that's my biggest uh, treasure was my parents. Really? And I mean, I don't know how they managed to even try to get six kids raised. Yeah. I'm curious. So you're, you talk about your upbringing and like the economic conditions you were in and the living conditions, how were holidays and stuff when you guys celebrated like Christmas birthdays and things like that? What, were there gifts you would get, or did your parents just try and make yeah, it a we, special? Yeah, we got day? gifts. We got gifts. My mother always, my mother loved Christmas, and she would save all year long and get gifts. So she didn't just, it wasn't just Christmas time. It was all year long that she was putting money aside or finding things uh, for us all to have a gift. Gotcha. And then my oldest sister, she, we're 12 years apart. So she went to work, um, in another state. And so she would buy things and bring it home. So we always had a good Christmas. We had fun together. That's awesome. Qual and quality family. I mean, we had the, up. yeah, yeah. We, we didn't have any coal in the stocking. We, my mother, you know, she, my mother loved Christmas because she was a kind of a naturalist and she liked a lot of natural foods and stuff. So at Christmas, this, the general store 
uh, in our little town would go uh, into the <clears throat> to go to the river on the docks where they'd bring in fresh fruits and Christmas candies and uh, nuts and all that kind of stuff. And mom loved it. So, you know, we, we had all that. Wow. That's so. that That's cool. That's good that you grew up with some good memories from the holidays and whatnot. Now, when did you finally, you said you got, uh, were you married at the age of 17? Yeah. How did you meet your, uh, your husband? Um, he, uh, was just in the community. Just in the and community. He was, he was very handsome and I was very smitten. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys got married and had two children and then move, did you move out on your own or did you continue to live, uh, at the home with your parents? Uh, no, I moved out on my own and, and with, then I went to college. So was that at 17 as well when you moved out? No, I left, um, I left him, we divorced around, I was about 20, 21 or 22. And then, uh, and then that's... he was an alcoholic and I, I couldn't take it. I mean, growing up with my parents was, was rough, but we had everything we needed and we had a warm house and we had running water for, I mean, you know, a source of water and with my husband in the summer, it was great. We lived in a little cabin up a holler and um, it was his father's house and it was fine because it wasn't, you know, we didn't have running water and we didn't have heat. So when winter came, it was horrible. And with two children, you know, small children, it was terrible. So I just got really depressed and felt like I'm not living, I'm existing. So I had to leave. So I went and stayed with my sister for a few months. Uh, that's my middle sister. I have uh, three sisters. Mm -hmm. Well, actually my youngest sister, but, um, so I stayed with her for a few months and then, um, I decided to go to college because I'd always loved art and, um, I wanted to learn how to paint. <laughs> there you go. And so you went to college for, you said you got your bachelor's degree in art or? I got a studio, an area of concentration in studio art. Gotcha. Uh, I didn't have, I didn't have a minor. I, I wasn't interested in anything but art. Gotcha. And did you go directly after graduating into education yourself into teaching art or did you have kind of odd jobs and stuff like that for a while? Well, when I finished my bachelor's, I went straight into getting a master's. And so I did odd jobs along with my master's and, um, so I didn't get a job in Kentucky teaching art because there just weren't that many jobs there. But South Carolina had passed a, a bill wanting, you know, that art had to be taught by specialists. So I got a job down in South Carolina and um, teaching here was really rough. I'll put it that way. Um, Can you my la I had some good jobs and I had my first job was horrible. Was and it? I, I, yeah, it was terrible. I got really sick. Uh, started having panic attacks. Um, it was just, you know, overwhelming. I had 1,100 students a week. Ooh, that's that's a lot. Was that in a, <laughs> a grade school, a high school? Four through six. Four through six? Mm-hmm. And was and it? And I taught in a locker room, which made it 
even worse and I didn't have any any supplies you know I had the worst situation you could possibly have and I just being young and dumb I didn't realize what I was getting into I just wanted a job and so uh, two and a half years I lasted and then I got sick and had to quit because I that's when my agoraphobia started really it's from that experience in that job yeah because I just I panicked when I'd go anywhere I couldn't be out of the house for over an hour my kids were uh, I think they were probably about well 11 and 13 so they would have to go in the store because I couldn't go in the store I'd have to leave the book if I did so after a while I got better and I got another job and that job was really good I liked it and that was in the tour I'm at now Oh, but really? I traveled around. I, I traveled around South Carolina. I taught in North Carolina. So that was an adventure, too. Was the teaching always in the public school system? Uh, yes. Yeah. And um, you you taught all forms of art, or was there a specific art form that you taught to your students? Was it? I taught whatever was possible. Gotcha. Uh, certain, you know, pottery drawing, painting, printmaking, you know, whatever form I could afford, whatever budget I had. Most of the time I'd have to fight over budgets, you know, and I'd have to save and scrimp and ask the community for things. And, you know, it just, it was really ridiculous. And finally I um, got some principals that backed me and helped me. And so that was really good. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, it seems like when I went to school, art was always kind of on the back burner as a subject. It was always reading, writing, arithmetic, you know, mm-hmm. math, like get all these core subjects. And then art, eh, it's not as important, which I totally disagree with. I think art's a immensely important skill for people to learn and appreciate but here I know that the budget constraints and things like that, when there are in education, the first programs that usually get cut are the arts. Is that kind of similar where you're at? Well, because it's law here, they don't get cut, but they get downsized. Gotcha. Like when I first started teaching in uh, this area, there was an art teacher at all the schools. And then the last few years, um, they had to cut it. So we had to go between schools. Oh, really? And yeah. And that's when I'm like, I I can't take this, um, you know, just yanking me around really is what it was. But, um, there was a superintendent that was, um, stealing money from the, one of the school districts. They used to be three school districts in this county. And because he put one of the districts in bankruptcy, um, they had to consolidate all the schools. And when they did that, everything went downhill. Oh, so they took the three school districts and combined them into one. Yep. And nobody liked it at all, but, um, you know, it's what they felt they had to do. So, um, I ended up in, I call it the bottom of the county. Uh, And so, you know, that was, I taught in North Carolina for five years and I taught Lumbee Indians, which was interesting. I enjoyed them. You taught what? I'm sorry. Lumbee. Some of them really don't like to be called Lumbee, but they're from uh, 
Lumberton, North Carolina. Okay. And there's a river called the Lumber River. But most of them have Chikora background or their PD or their, um, let's see, Sheraw, uh, Waccamaw, uh, probably tribes you haven't heard of. They're Eastern bands. Yeah, I'm out here in the West. I'm more used to like the Ute tribes and things of that nature. Like like some of these tribe names you're saying, I'm like, I don't know any of these. <laughs> Yeah, but a lot of the places here are named after Indians, just probably like out there too. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, How so? That's got to be pretty interesting. Teaching a whole different culture than your own. I studied that culture a little bit before I went because, and I studied history because I wanted to understand who I was teaching, and it helped a lot. That's awesome. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I've taught, you know, some of their, I, I taught some of their history to them because they didn't know it. Really? Yeah. And you, you would just in, incorporate that into your art lessons as well, or did you sub as like a history teacher as well? No, I incorporated it. Gotcha. Um, because, well, they have a powwow there and it's, that's, that's the, Native American culture is very strong in that area. Mm -hmm. And so we, we always had a big celebration uh, in November and we always did, I always did a lot of, uh, incorporated a lot of history into our projects. So I can incorporate anything into art. That's the thing about art. Everything circles art, but people don't realize that. Yeah. History circles it. Mathematics. I mean, I've taught math through art. Um, we did the Fibonacci sequence and did artwork based on that sequence. I mean, you know, it's a small scale kind of thing, but it gave kids a lot of insight and they, they, they started to value art and they could see that it was valuable. Yeah. That's really cool that you did that. Would you say that was one of your highlights of your, um, educational career is teaching the native Americans or was there something in your educational career that really, uh, stuck out as like, okay, I'm really proud of this moment. I would say that that was a highlight and I'm glad I did it. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, it's been a journey because I would get sick and have to quit teaching for a while. And then I'd have to struggle and find another job and then I'd have to start another job. But I just happened to end up back in South Carolina I taught in the upstate of South Carolina, which is totally different than lo the low country where I'm at. I'm on the coast. I'm like an hour from the ocean. From the ocean. Yeah. yeah. So when I taught in the upstate, the kids were totally different, uh, much better behaved, not so needy, uh, better manners. I mean, I'm not trying to say anything ugly about these kids, but these kids just haven't had a lot of opportunities. No, I, I totally understand that. I work in education as well. And there's anyone wa that wants to say that all kids are the same across the board. It's just not true. Your demographical area will make a total different experience. And it's not good or bad. It's just you're dealing with total different backgrounds and there's different ways to interact, teach and, and do things of that nature. Yeah, I, I grew up um, in in a totally white community like uh the, the most of the area i grew up in is all white mm -hmm. so when i came down here like 90 percent of my students were black 
So it was a different culture. And I mean, I wasn't raised to be, you know, prejudiced or anything like that, but it was a, it was a fun experience for me to, to learn about these kids. And, you know, uh, a lot of it was, a lot of it's sad really, but um, I was, I just had so much fun working with them. I loved them. I really did. Um, That's the only thing I miss about teaching is that interaction with my students. I loved being with them. It, you know, it was it was hard because of discipline problems, but, um, but I just looked at most of my problem kids as a challenge and figured out ways to deal with them. Yeah, isn't that the best? I I find the same thing. I like I love to take the challenging child in like disciplinary ways and try and understand why they're acting that way. Try and understand the antecedents to their problem and and really dive into it and be like, how can I connect with this kid and make them a better individual? And a lot of the times, if you put in the effort, you really can reach them. I have been um, paid very nicely with the effort I put into some of my students. Um, I still see a lot of them when I go shopping or out, you know, out in town and they're always happy to see me and I'm happy to see them. It's like little jewels out there, you know, when I get to see them again, it's like meeting an old friend that you haven't seen in a while. Oh yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I will run into uh, students that I've dealt with um, because I've been working in education for a little over 10 years, almost 11 years now. And um, I work in the transportation side of things. So you're with your kids if you're on your same route for quite a while. So I've, like Mm -hmm. taken elementary school kids all the way up through junior high. And then some of my high school kids that like, cause I started driving when I was really young, I was like 22, 21, 22 years old. And I'll see like high school kids that I was transporting out in the real world quotes. um, And they're like, they have children of their own and there's, they have their own lives. And it's really interesting because they'll come up and say, Hey, hello, you know, you did so much for me. And, it's it's funny the impact you make and how they remember you and things like that. Yeah, they tell me things I did and I don't even remember it. <laughs> yeah, right. Because we. Don't... I mean, not bad, not bad things, but you know, it's like that. You let me do this and you let me do that, and I'm like, really, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really awesome. So, what? Um, getting into kind of your photography and what you tend to share with the world, you have a very interesting perspective when it comes to exploring some of these old places. I follow quite a few urbex and abandoned photography uh, pages, uh, members, people out there, and um, a lot of them get really into showing wide shots, lots of open space, seeing everything. And you get into, I've noticed on your Instagram, <laughs> yeah. you're very, uh, you're into the close up details of things. And it's really Yeah, cool. I, I like it. I like it to be up front. I like to get up front and personal. And, and when I see some of the wide open shots, I'm like, I don't like them. <laughs> I'm like, that's too much negative space, you know, because I compose my photography like my drawings and my paintings. And, and, some, and when I tell people that, they'll go, oh, yeah, I can see that. You know, so that's, that's why they look like that, because I compose them just like I was drawing them. Gotcha. You know, I think about all this. I think about all the space and 
you know, what one little thing is pulling people's eyes away from what I want them to look at. And, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take little things out. You know, I edit my pictures like I'm editing or repainting something. Mm -hmm. So that's why they look that way. (laughs) No, and it's, it's very, it's interesting and it, it adds a good perspective because a lot of, uh, the abandoned community seems to like to show like the wide angle lens. This is a whole room. And with you, it's very, like you said, it does feel very much like a painting and things of that nature, because the way you're framing your uh, subject, whether it be a, uh, a keyhole or a doorknob or even a light, um, a headlight on a car, I kind of do some of that same stuff when I'm out shooting. Um, but I get super jealous of all of you on the East Coast because you guys have so much subject matter to go out and see. And us West Coast people out here, we don't have as much of that. Um, I was back. Well, in- I, I like the way it looks out there, though, because it looks really weathered. And I, li- I like the open space there. Yeah, it's the gives and takes, right? The- yeah. And then it's, it's funny. We all get used to where we're at. And it's like, well, I don't like this place anymore because like... Um, I, where was, I was last in West Virginia. Um, and that was like eye opening for like abandoned stuff for me. But then at the same time, I was like, how do I get a wide shot of this structure where there's trees everywhere? I don't have any open space. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I haven't shot in West Virginia yet. And that's really funny because that's where my grandfather's from. Oh, He's from the mount- mountainous part, yeah. Uh, a lot of my family. I'm a, I'm a client. My mother was a client, and there are millions of us. Um, my I think it's six time great grandfather was German, and he came to Pennsylvania with his father. Fought in the Revolutionary War. Was at Valley Forge. I found all this out through studying genealogy, and so. Um, when he came down into down into Kentucky, West Virginia, there's like a river that runs, is a border. It's called the Tug River. Mm-hmm. I was born in a house next to the Tug River, and it was right across from where my great, you know, six-time great-grandfather Peter Klein was his name, was actually buried. Oh, and wow. I mean, I did I didn't find any of this out till maybe ten years ago. Really? I just I just grew up thinking, you know. I came from nowhere. I had, you know, I was nobody. I didn't realize I had such a rich history behind my family. So it was, um, I said, wow, I wish I'd known this when I was a child because I had, didn't have a lot of self-esteem because being poor, you know, you don't have the best clothes and you always feel inferior to other people and that kind of stuff. But, uh, I wish I'd known that, but I'm going to get into West Virginia eventually. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, out of all the states I've been to, it's got its own very unique personality and just the way everything looks there. It's it's probably one of the most wooded states I've ever been to. Where I was just like, is there anything but trees? But um, some of the structures are amazing up there. Well, I like the coal temples. I mean, a lot of them have been abandoned. Um, but uh, I'd like to shoot some of those sometime. I have before, but I really didn't investigate it too too closely. But that was on the Kentucky side. 
when you're out shooting, like, so I don't get as much into the abandoned and urbex photography as some of my friends or some of the people I follow, um, like you guys, like I, I get out there and do it, but I'm very cautious because in the career I'm in, I can't afford like a criminal trespass charge. Right. Um, and the West coast is very big on like no trespassing and they're, they're not very forgiving back there. Do you guys have kind of that same stance or is it just like, there's so much of it that you have like free great, uh, free game on it. Well, I don't know about other people that explore here a lot. Um, there's a few that I, that come here from other places. They don't seem to have problems, but I'm a little old lady. <laughs> <laughs> Not too many people get mad at me. Gotcha. And I have the gift of gab. So, I mean, I can, I, I you know, I just tell them the, it's my hobby. I just tell them the truth and I, I've never had a problem. That's awesome. And, and that's very interesting that you say that, that you have the gift of gab, because I, I believe I have the same because I have talked myself out of some pretty hairy situations before. But I also have the yeah. gift of attracting police every time I do go out and do photography. And it's like, oh, my God, like I remember I was at this old um, missile plant in Green River, Utah. And of course, everyone's like, it's fine. The cops never show up here. I'm like, well, I'm here with you guys this time. So they'll probably show up. And they're like, no, they won't. No, they won't. And of course, the sheriff shows up. Um, but when you're out and you're investigating these places and looking for the rich history and everything, is there any precautions you take? Um, do, do you drive past the area and kind of scope it out? Or you just pull over and go right in exploring? I pull in the driveway if it has one or and go in. And just go in? Everybody thinks I'm crazy. I pull in the driveway or just next to the road. It just depends. Sometimes you can't get into them. You have to, you have to park somewhere else and walk. And that, that's hard for me right now with my knee replacement. It, and before I had my knee replacement, it was even worse. But, you know, that's why I do that. If I had the ability to actually park away and walk a distance, I would. But um, I don't have that ability, so I just park. I do – actually, I do snapshots. I just know what I want to – I just know what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. or the, I see the opportunity of the picture, and I take it. I don't take a tripod with me. I really should because I would get better pictures, but because I'm parked in the driveway and, you know, you don't know what somebody's going to say or do or call the law or whatever – I just do uh, snaps and, I, and do it fast. You quick in and out? I quick in and out. And um, I look for snakes. I look for whales, you know, like the old whales and um, fire ants. Oh, yeah. That that would suck to kind of walk through one of those nests. Yeah. They're real. They're here everywhere. So, I, you know, I look – and I've gotten into them a few times because I would get so – into what I was doing, I would step in them, but, and I've actually fallen backwards down the stairs because I was so into the shot. I stepped back and just stepped back down the stairs. <laughs> it's so, it's so <laughs> funny that you say that. <laughs> I'm the same exact way. I was recently in Atlanta, Georgia in Oakland cemetery. It's this old historic cemetery. And 
I was so focused on these headstones that I was shooting that I wasn't paying attention. And I literally just fell down these cement steps and was like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, I got up quick and I just laughed because I thought, well, if somebody could see me now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I laugh at myself all the time, like climbing through windows and that kind of stuff, you know, how, getting something and climbing through. I was like, man, I wish I had a picture of this because it, it would be funny. Have you ever found anything interesting, like that just blew your mind in these abandoned uh, buildings that you're going into? And it seems like you do a lot of homes, right? Yeah, homes are my favorite. My dad was a carpenter, so architecture just interests me. And um, when I was in college, we studied a lot of architecture. Art history was like one of my top subjects, and I had a wonderful professor so I just really like the architecture, but um, there's just not a lot of industry here that's abandoned that I can get into. It's here, but I can't get into it, gotcha. and I'm not, I won't break in. I won't break in anywhere. You know, I, if somebody else is broken in, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to start it though. <laughs> no, I'm not going to start if it. If the door is ajar and open, you'll go through, but not you're not going to be right. the one to make the door and open. no you'll get, no, you'll get the simple trespass ticket not the right. <laughs> criminal that, right and I, I never you know i never take anything uh so people can see that all they see is is my camera if they see me at all you know i kind of hide sometimes but um that camera when they see that they just think oh well she's taking pictures for real estate or something <laughs> Yeah. I mean, maybe I look like a real estate person. I don't know. Exactly. It's kind of, it goes back to that, um, that old piece of advice. If you just act like you're supposed to be there, no one will ask any questions, but if you, you know, are sneaking around and acting suspicious, that's where they're going to get like, are you supposed to be there? So it's interesting that you just pull right. up into the driveway. They're probably thinking, oh, she's just hired from some real estate gig and supposed to be there. Like whatever. Or they <laughs> They might think I'm family because they don't, they don't know who lives there or who's, you know, whatever. Or, I mean, I have went and asked people do own that house. I mean, that's very seldom that I have to do that, but I have done it. And they'll be like, no. I said, well, you think they'd mind if I take pictures? And they're like, I don't know. But, so I just go ahead and take pictures. But, there you um, go. I, some of the fascinating stuff that I have found, um, was uh it's the uh i think it's really a strange thing because i to me like the digital age we won't find these houses with letters in them i found love letters and notes from the piano teacher and you know talking about the children and how much they enjoyed teaching the children i mean i love that kind of stuff and that's like ephemeral. When I was growing up, you know, they said, oh, that's ephemeral. But now to me, that's more permanent than digital. To me, digital is ephemeral now because you're not going to be able to find a flash drive in these, in you know, a uh, hundred years in these houses. Mm -hmm. So letters and stuff to me is, is not ephemeral. Yeah, I totally agree. I have found on some of my explorations um, similar things um, like old documents, even like it's interesting to find like I remember I found some old receipts once from like the mm -hmm. 40s and it was like looking at the price of items back then. I was like, holy right. cow. Um, and they're like they're not like the receipts that you would see nowadays worth that 
carbon paper and that stuff that just fades away. It was like a handwritten receipt from Joe's country store or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see how much has changed. That's why I love going to some of these abandoned places. Cause it's like walking through a time capsule and back into history, especially the ones that have been well-preserved, but allowed to age as well. Like right. I, I don't enjoy as much. Like I was in, um, I was in, I believe it was in Nebraska and we went to a, uh, uh, Scott's Rest Ranch up there and it was all historically preserved and everything and something about it just feels too modern even though it still has a lot of the old stuff it's like I kind of want that old smell and that you know as sick as it might sound that rotten mildew and wood and things of that nature well I like the canopsia of something that has been freshly found not seen and looked at by hundreds of people yeah, that makes sense. I like to I like to be the one that sees it first, and think about who left it. Yeah, I I uh I do that a lot also with abandoned vehicles, and I've noticed you have quite a few abandoned vehicle shots that you do as well. I love cars. <laughs> yeah, I am. I hate taking photos of new cars, like. I've had, I'm not much interested in those, but I appreciate them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, and I've had friends like reach out to me before, like, Hey, can you take some pictures of my car or things of that nature? But something about an old car, you get to really get into the, like, I always think about what, what love story happened in this car, what tragic crying event happened in this car, like the history of the vehicle and who it's carried where and, and all of that just fascinates me so much i was um have you heard of old car city i have yeah yeah i was there back in march and that place was just amazing it blew my mind like there was so much potential i could probably spend a week in there photographing all the vehicles that they have but they had old school buses and old vans and you know cadillacs chevys fords and just all of this history there that's just rotting away and being taken back by nature and it's it was just highly highly uh pleasing to photograph that area yeah i have a place like that that it's going to take me a while to really go through it um the owner is really friendly he's he's 87 years old and he's like yeah go out and photograph whatever you want so we always visit him for a little bit my sister goes with me sometimes and um she, yeah, she's my partner, <laughs> and I, I miss her because she just had her knee replaced too. So she taught twenty four years of art. Oh, really? So, yeah. So you're but she she does extremely close ups. Oh, like macro stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And she does really good too. Yeah, the macro shots are always fascinating. I love macro photography. And uh, uh, she just uses her phone. Really? Or not? Or her iPad? Yep. Gotcha. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um. So is she? Because you said she's kind of like one of your partners in crime when you're going out there she is. doing the <laughs> photography. Do you take anyone else with you, or is it just her? No, I've never taken anyone else. Now I did take some people to a house that I absolutely love, and it's it's a, a real sad deal right now because the owner died, and people have just pilfered through it and. I took YouTubers there and I said, it's like, tell a woman, tell a YouTuber, because they taught this, 
one particular person told so many people about this house. People come from Europe to take pictures in the house. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I'm like, I, I will never share another location like that again. You know, if it's just one of my ho-hums, whatever, yeah, but not something. If I find something like that again, I'm keeping it to myself. Yeah, that way it doesn't get ransacked and just totally. It had, yeah, right. It had already been ransacked by who knows who, and we actually cleaned it up. It took it took us six hours of cleaning up dump drawers and just all kinds of stuff. But um, that house uh, really, I studied the history of the people really close because. Um, I know some of the people around in this area, and uh, they're a very prominent family. But the guy that originally built the house was a German immigrant. He came in this area when he was 12 years old and worked for his brother and built a cotton empire and built this house in 1901. That's It's a big Victorian, Queen Anne Victorian, but that's the one that had all the letters in it, love letters from World War II before the the couple was even married the last couple that was there it went through three families oh wow but anyway there's three big houses that the these brothers built in the area and one of the i was taking pictures of it one of the houses and it turns out that this man had um bought the house him and his wife his wife was from the czech republic he was from australia and they bought the house from the original original owner. So I was taking pictures, and I thought no one was living there because it looks really bad. He's just let it run down terribly. But um, we became friends, and uh, I still visit him, you know, and try. I help him out as much as I can. But he's involved in a bunch of scams. He's had so much money scammed out of him. It's crazy, but that's his own fault. But anyway. Um, he has one of the, the homes from this family. So it was, he gave me a lot of history. The first day I met him, I sat down on his wonderful porch, um, his veranda. He, it's a, uh, neoclassical revival house. It's beautiful. And it, it, it's a shame because it's just fallen in. Uh -huh. It was built in 1912, but I just got interested in that family. And so. 30 years ago or more, I saw this one house I told you that I shared that I regretted. Mm -hmm. I saw it, and I was amazed at, the, at that house. It was so beautiful. And so here I am, 30 years later, I'm in this house. And, you know, it was just, I, I was by myself because my sister didn't explore with me first. And I go a lot by myself, which they don't, you know, my family doesn't like. But, um I'm I'm way more cautious now than I than I used to be. Gotcha. Um, I've done some foolish things, and I'm thinking, you know, thinking back, like, why in the world did I do that? Like, I went through this burnout, big burnout school, and went over timbers that had fallen down from the top, and went all the way down the hall, climbing through timbers, past nail, past glass, to get to this one room. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, I'm like, why am I do? Why did I do that? I could have killed myself. So yeah, I'm uh, way more cautious now. Do you have you ever suffered any injuries or anything from exploring? Yeah, I've I've fallen through a few floors. Oh wow. 
Uh, you know, I've bruised my, you know, got sprains and that kind of stuff, but nothing serious. What really made me wake up is um, one of the guys I followed on Instagram, um, it wasn't him, but a friend, fell into a well because he couldn't see. It was up in Canada. He fell in a well and died because he was by himself. He couldn't see that where the well was because of the snow, and he fell in and died. Oh, wow. So I'm like, no, I'm I'm not doing that. And then I've seen a few other people that have um, died while, while they were exploring. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, I'm very, I'm just very cautious because I value my life. <laughs> yeah, no, no joke. And every place has its uh, kind of different um, things that could ultimately end your life. If you're ever like exploring in some of these inner cities of like, you know, Chicago or Gary, Indiana, things like that. You could run into shady individuals that could harm you. You got some of these old factories and stuff where you could get hurt by falling, you know, things of that nature. Some of the old homes, like you're saying out here in Utah, I mean, there's a lot of like abandoned old wood cabins and stuff. And you get in those and you run into rattlesnakes and things. And if you're on your own, you could be in a lot of trouble. Right. And I'm sure, I mean, you guys probably have snakes and all sorts of animals out there that you could be harmed by. Yeah, we run into snakes once in a while. Not too often, but um, yeah, we run into them. South Carolina has a lot of snakes and um, actually we have um, alligators. Oh, yeah. So I don't ever go in any place that might have gators. I'm, you know, I stay away from that. (laughs) Yeah, that's terrifying. Me and a, a friend of mine. We were out doing um, some photography in a uh, part of Georgia that was very swampy. And I swear to God, we had gators around us and the sun had set. We weren't paying attention to the time. And it was like, we need to get out of here because things were moving in the woods and in the swamp areas where I'm like, I don't want to run yeah, into anything. And you, and you can hear big splashes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like, let's go. Let's go. We got to get out of here. Oh, man. That's uh, the things that can harm you out there. But we do it. I mean, I know why I like to go explore. And it's always for the historical uh, background on these places. I know a lot of people always ask me, do you go do like ghost hunting in these places? And I'm, I'm such a skeptic when it comes to spirits and ghosts that I'm like, no, yeah, I, I, I am. I am too. Yeah. They're always like, have you seen things or experienced things in these places? I'm like, no, not really. I just really, I'm not saying it's not there, but I'm just there to enjoy the history of the building itself. And it seems like you're very much that way. Cause in, in your Instagram posts, a lot of times you'll put like, a description or an interesting uh, thought on your photos, not just the picture full of hashtags. And I really like reading what you have to write about these places or what you feel. So would you say that's pretty accurate that you, that's what you enjoy about these old places? It's just the history itself. Um, it's a combination because um, I'm a creative person and if I don't do something creative, I just it, it, I, it, I just feel lifeless. So it just puts life back in me. I mean, anybody that I talk to about exploring, they're like, you, you're animated when you start talking about it. 
So um, it's just something I, I need to do. And that's my creative outlet right now. Um, with the way my my body feels, I don't feel like standing and painting. I don't feel like drawing. I have some kind of a mental block. But when it comes to photography and driving and looking and finding these places, I just totally get into that zone. And I don't think about anything. I don't hurt I don't think about my disease. I don't think about anything but those pictures and exploring and figuring out, if I can, the history of who lived there. That's awesome. That is that is really cool um, to think about. It's kind of your mental escape as well. It is. Uh, yeah. I mean, and it gets me out. Cause you, That's the only thing sometimes that will lure me out of the house. Because you said you suffer from... <laughs> Is it agora agoraphobia? Right. And uh, that's a most people think it's this fear of outside, but it's not really. That's not really what it is. And it's it's a agoraphobia for me is a fear of being afraid, of mm. of becoming afraid, of, or being in a situation that I can't control. Gotcha. So. Be, I mean, it's not just being out because I love being outside. I mean, I grew up in the woods, so it's not that. It's just I can't go to a new restaurant without somebody has already been there and take me. I can't go to a city unless somebody I know knows it or I take my whole family, and that's my security. Gotcha. Like, uh, I mean, and fortunately, I put the travel bug in my daughter and my grandson my grandson went and studied Spanish in Spain. Oh, really? So, yeah, and he just came back fluent and a totally different boy. I mean, he'll go anywhere. He'll take any bus. He loves the city, and I love natural part, right? So mm -hmm. when we go on vacation together, he's wanting to go downtown, and I'm wanting to go to the parks or, you know, find an old place. And, they, you know, they my family kids all the time, the, the most decrepit place they see, oh, well, there's – there's Nana. They call me Nana. That's <laughs> Nana's house, you know. <laughs> so it's a joke. And my sister, or you know, she's she's gotten to be like that too. And then my daughter, who's coming to Utah um, in a couple of days. Oh, really? She's in. Yeah, I think she's in Memphis tonight. They make willow furniture, and they had a big order from someone in Utah. So they're staying in. Um, I think it's called Atimony. Atimony? Yeah, it, that's what it's. That's a little. It's a little place. It's down below. It's a park close to Beaver, maybe. Okay, so down south. <laughs> it's south, yeah. So, um, yeah, I took my kids. Uh, I, my first two kids. I remarried, uh, and I have a son now that lives with me. He's twenty-seven. My daughter's forty-nine. Okay. <laughs> So, and then I had a middle child and he, he was killed when he was 20. So oh, I've sorry. had a lot of, I've had a lot of tragedy in my life really, but I have survived. And, um, my sister and I, um, uh, who lives down here too, her name's Brenda. Um, we said, we're going to see it to the end. We made a pact because my brother killed himself. Her son killed himself my net or grandson killed himself. I mean, it's like would people quit killing themselves? Um, and then my son, he just he was hit by a car 
he was walking home and he was hit by a car and killed. So it's just been, you know, really hard uh, getting through a lot of that. And I think that has a lot to do with my health, Mm -hmm. uh, the the stress of that. And then, you know, trying to teach and teach through that kind of stuff. And it's just been a a real journey, but I'm happy. (laughs) I mean, you know, people like, aren't you bitter? I'm like, no, I'm not bitter. I'm happy. Well, that's, Um, I mean, that's the way to be. I mean, it's, it's inspirational to hear from you that, I mean, you don't ever want to hear about anyone's, you know, sad stories and tragic events that happen to them, but it's inspirational in the same right, because you're, like you said, you're happy and you're not letting those events destroy your life and who you are. No, I mean, I've went through so much in my life. I, um, I was, I went through a molestation when I was like four. So it impacted my life, all of my life. It, it just changed me totally. You know, it's, it's, uh, so my emotions when I, when I became a teenager, my emotions were everywhere because my mother and father were very religious. And so I never told them what happened to me. So at four years old, I'm carrying the guilt of the world. Yeah. Because I, you know, I, and it, I, and then when I was probably after I left my husband, you know, I just kind of made peace with that. And I saw a picture of myself when I was about the, about that age. And I thought there is no way that was my fault. I was just a little girl, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I just looked at it that way. But when I was teaching, I could kind of feel that that it's a it's a horrible feeling but i could this had that sensitivity to children i knew that were being abused gotcha eventually i kind of walled it off because i didn't want to deal with that but i would i wouldn't ignore it but still i I could kind of stop that sensitivity but i could sense it in kids and uh i would do my best to help them but i would i understood them better than what most people would because i went through it yeah, and at four years old, um, if you don't mind me asking, was it a neighbor, a family member, or a neighbor? Gotcha. And I have, I know I have suppressed memories because I only have one very vivid memory of what happened to me. And and but that memory, what happened was like so routine that it, I know it had to happen. It happened several times for it to be that routine in that memory that I have. Yeah. That's uh So I still see a psychologist for that issue. Just my emotional makeup. Um I'm really not stressed anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't let myself get stressed, but um just yeah, you know, I need to talk to someone and he's very he's 83 and uh he's very much uh into what i'm doing he he loves my artwork uh he's very supportive we set goals for me you know certain things like he asked me what i want to do and i'm like i want to go here and take this picture and he's like you know he'll okay that's your goal to go there and get that picture so it's it keeps me going i haven't seen him in a while because of my leg i just don't 
it's hard to maneuver. It's getting better, but it's, you know, I just didn't want to go out period. Oh yeah. But, uh, but, uh, anyway, uh, and I feel like I'm 67, I'm seeing a psychologist and I decided it's like, I don't care what people think. I don't hide it. Some, you know, and I'm like, I don't know what day I don't need a psychologist, but, um, it, you know, he's, he's just a wonderful person. And, um, I can't say that's true. I mean, I've seen, I've seen several psychologists, but he was such a good fit and, uh, he's such a sweet person. And, you know, I need somebody like that because I don't have contact with anybody anymore except my family. Gotcha. Well, I, I can't say that, uh, you know, whatever people would even think of you about you seeing a psychologist, um, if they have any negative thing to say or judgmental thing to pass, I would say those people are straight up just high in the night, not not coming to the reality, because I think it's just the human uh, condition. We all, no matter what age, can benefit from just simply talking to people and getting other perspectives and having people help us figure out our own lives at times. So I don't fault you at all for being 67 and using a psychologist one bit. I mean, I think everyone can benefit from it. Um, so I wouldn't, yeah. I mean, kudos to you for actually having the, the courage and the understanding and to know that, Hey, I need this and it helps me because a lot of people live in denial. Yeah, they do. Uh, like I said, I started at four having to examine who I was. And so I've always been alone with my own thoughts. And so it's nice to have somebody in your corner that you can give your thoughts to. (laughs) At, At the age of 67 years old, do you think that you have, life figured out or you think you're still figuring it out day in and day out no i have it figured out gotcha (laughs) i mean i can't say i have everything figured out but 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 that's why i'm happy i i'm not stressed i don't worry about the future nothing like that gotcha that's that's a good place to be um because i think a lot of people go through life always questioning everything they do so it's nice that you're just stress-free happy and living your life and also realizing that you still do have things in your past that need to be addressed and you're addressing them with uh professional help and even, even i mean i just tell people even if you're not using like a professional psychologist or anything like that just talk with people about your problems and you because i think a lot of us get into that uh mindset of you're suffering alone and no one can understand what you're going through. But when you actually truly start talking to people and they share their insight and maybe their problems they're suffering with, then you can relate and be like, okay, I'm not going through this alone. Like other people have these problems. I will always say, I hear what other people went through. I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't go through anything compared to them. So, and my mother always said, you can always look at other people and see they're way worse off than you are. That's very true. Yeah. My mother was a very smart woman. Um, she was, she was, it was a big influence in my life as well as my dad. But, um, I really appreciate them. I'm so glad I had them. Now my oldest sister, I don't think she really was, she, she was, uh, 
she's she's not like the rest of us she wasn't uh she liked money she liked you know things and or does and um she didn't want people to know that she had such a poor bringing up uh she still doesn't want people to know that but it's i mean it's never bothered me i don't care i'm proud that i came through what i did and i have what i have and i went to college on my own with two children i think that's an accomplishment and i'm proud of it Oh, yeah, that's 100% accomplishment. And especially coming from the, you know, like you said, uh, more economically uh, challenged uh, upbringing and things like that. And to go through college, graduate college, get out there and educate kids on the importance of art and also incorporate other things into art like you have. That's that's an amazing accomplishment. You should be proud. And not be materialistic. I mean, some people, when they, they're materialistic, even though they have nothing because they want stuff. I couldn't agree more. I know, I know a few people like that in my life that I look at them and they're chasing status, money, and things. And it's like, that's not to me. I mean, maybe it is to them, but to me, that's not what life's about. To me, life is about, uh, memories and experiences above all yeah. and everything my family's my life i mean i've i've lost quite a few of them so it's kind of hard but the ones i have left we really cherish each other well, um, that's that's my treasure is my family um and i'm glad that i have what i have i have my sister here my daughter's here my son's here he lives with me. He he tried a year away from home and figured it's not too bad being with mom. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he, and and it's a, it's an interesting uh, situation too because I remarried and um, I married a guy from Africa. Oh really? So my son, yeah, my son, <laughs> yeah, my he was from Ghana. So wow. my son um, is half black and actually. With his DNA, he's more white than black, so we get tickled about that because he doesn't think like black people, but he looks black. So living in the community I did, I got a lot of looks when he was a baby. You know, I mean, did you have him? Where did you get him? I'm like, yeah, I had him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they want to know if I had sex with somebody black. That's what they want to know. So yeah. I, I would just, I would just tell them, yeah, I had sex with the father. Gotcha. That's, I mean, I've had the craziest things said to me and, you know, how did you get pregnant? And I'm like, well, let me tell you about <laughs> the birds and the bees. I mean, just crazy stuff. Right. So uh, having him here with me, we have some interesting conversations, believe me. I mean, he's a very intelligent uh, guy and he's he's fun to be around. But he's very quiet. Most of the time he's just upstairs and he, with his computer. That's it. Gotcha. But every once in a while, we'll get into these long conversations. I'm like, well, he's finally getting interesting. <laughs> well, that's that's hilarious. Well, it seems like you really cherish your family and you really love the art and uh, sharing it with people. And I want to thank you very much for coming on the podcast and kind of sharing an insight into your life, your upbringing and what it is that you do and continue to do. And so I want to thank you very much for doing that, Sandy. Um, also, just to let people know, they can check you out on Instagram at, is it alter underscore S dot Ray? Is that what it is? That's right. 
Yeah. And then you're over on Vero as well. I don't know what your Vero handle is. Urbic Sandy. Urbic Sandy. <laughs> very, yeah, very simple. <laughs> yeah, and I encourage everyone to go check her uh, photos out and read through her posts and things and uh, give her a, a like and a follow and give some comments on some of her work. I promise you won't be disappointed. And again, Sandy, I want to thank you very, very much for coming on the show. Well, I was glad and uh, that's it was very sweet of you and kind to have me. Well, um, the pleasure was all mine, and we will talk to you all on the next show, and we'll see you later.